Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Welcome to the show, gearheads. We just watched the Formula One Austrian Grand Prix penalty show. And we're going to try to break that all down. I thought that was the Euros, the penalty shootouts. <laughs> yeah, this is the penalty show today. I actually was exciting enough to watch race, but this John Massingill sitting in the studio with Jonathan Green, Les Kaiser, and we have over Zoom Bob Varsha and Dave O'Neill. And Jonathan, I'll start with you. What did you think of the race today? I mean, <laughs> the one guy who actually I would like to have seen more of was the guy that won the race because we hardly saw him, um, but he was in a world of his own again. Um, and this is clearly, I mean, we can say it now emphatically, it's a, it's clearly a new chapter for Red Bull. They've got the reliability, they've got the driver, uh, and frankly, uh, they've also got a second driver now, which is what they've been searching for in Perez. Wrongly or rightly, I think he had a rough day, did Perez, because there's nowhere to overtake here. I, I, I described it as a as a cart track, but uh, I thought the penalties were were just wrong personally yeah too too many and i, I want to get i want to get all you guys take on this but verstappen wins botas norris hamilton signs perez ricardo leclerc gasly alonso in 10th just ahead of george russell who who uh he passed to push out of the points that was a little bit sad to watch but then sonoda in 12th stroll giovanazzi latifi raikkonen vettel um mm, uh, Mike, mick schumacher mazepin and Ocon, who of course did not finish the race but, um, Bob, I heard you and Dave talking uh, before we went on. So I know that this was not your ideal race with all these penalties. Well, you never like to see officials deciding the outcome of a race. And I think that happened to some measure today, certainly in the case of Sergio Perez. Uh, I agreed with uh, Paul DeResta on the race call saying, you want drivers to race aggressively. This is the world championship. This is the sharp end of the spear. You want guys to be wheel to wheel and duking it out. Um, and so I thought those were unfair penalties. But once they nicked Perez for forcing Leclerc off the road, when it happened again, they had to penalize him mm. again to be consistent. And, you know, same with Lando Norris. I mean, they, they, once you start, I guess it was Norris maybe that was penalized first. But once you start throwing those penalties around, you can't stop. But that doesn't excuse the fact that I thought these were just hard racing situations. And, um, you know, that, that that was just unfortunate. I know. It's it's what it's we, we, we want to see. We want to see that racing. Well, Dave O'Neill, what do you think about all these penalties? Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree unless you're in the team, you know, and you gain the advantage from it. But, the mm. um, you know, the first one with Norris and... Um, and Perez, I, you know, I thought that was definitely just a racing incident. They were racing hard. Um, the track is reasonably wide there, strangely enough, for a small 
a small circuit. Um, but the second one, if you did want to digest it and split them up a little bit, um, he uh, Perez did hit Leclerc, you know, before the, before he got to the um, yeah. the kind of exit of the corner. So that that shoved Leclerc off the off the track. Um, but again, um, I, I don't like to see that. Um, it, it would be interesting to see how fair they are, you know, in in all the driver meetings. Um, during the course of the weekend, it was consistency is what the drivers were asking from the stewards. And, um, you know, like Bob said, they, they handed one out, so they had to hand the other the other out. And if they didn't, they wouldn't have done for the second one. So between Raikkonen and Vettel, I'd like to see what sort of penalties handed out there. Um, I, you know, that's a difficult one to choose who, whose fault that was. I think that Vettel um, got past um, Raikkonen, but he also hit Raikkonen when he was shutting the door. So um, I don't know. It, it, it it's not great to see the the result um, influenced by decisions like that. But I guess that's what what, what we saw today. Les Kaiser, you know, I know that you were complaining here in the studio about the the penalties. Do you agree with these boys? I do. I do actually. You know exactly the uh, the first one, Sergio. You were out of line. You know, but. Uh, the others I thought were legit racing. Or, I'm excuse me, it just opposite. I thought the uh, Sergio turning in on the second episode was not something that uh, was legit racing. I, I needed a penalty. I I felt that uh, in the class uh, overtake, he was he was further past than Perez was mm-hmm. on Norris, and there's no question. I agree with Bob that he t- turned. Um, well, he didn't turn in on him, but he but he definitely forced Leclerc on the second corner off, uh, in my opinion. So yeah. I, I, you know, um, I I think like you say, given that they'd done the first one, which I thought was unfair on Norris, then they were kind of stuck with having to give that five second penalty out every time. Um, but I just didn't think the second one was um, worthwhile. Yeah, I didn't think the first one was worthwhile either. You hear us splitting hairs here about who was slightly ahead and all that, what point of the turn and all that kind of thing. And, you know, you, you, that's not that's the not kind what of thing on. you want to be doing. No, I yeah. agree. Be, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not what we want to be talking about right no. now either. You know, we would want yeah. to be talking about Lando Norris and, and his, you know, the fact that he converted a race into a podium. And, but, but, yeah. But, well, guys, we, uh, we have a caller on the line. We've got a couple of callers on the line. Let's, uh, let's start with. Uh, Ray in North Carolina, NASCAR country. Hey, Ray. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Happy uh, July 4th to you guys. Yeah, yeah you too. too. Um, today's, uh, today's race, uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty interesting. I like I liked seeing Alonzo come through the field. Um, pretty consistent. He had a good run today. Um, and then for it being a doubleheader, well, not doubleheader, a back-to-back race, i um, like to get your thoughts on uh, if you'd like to see that more in the future. Good question. Uh, yeah, good question. Um, I, what do you think, Jonathan? Go ahead. I, I'd like to see it, but, but I, I think there needs to be more of a variance or more than a distinction than just changing the tyres, um, if possible. I don't know what that means, whether you shorten the race, whether um, you do something funky, but uh, just back-to-back races for the sake of back-to-back races. They talked about it in Austin, and I was like, yeah, but you can't have Billy Joel twice uh, you know, in, in, in one week's time. And what happens when 260,000 people show up at, at Coda? What happens the following week? You know, uh, what I'm getting at is that you've got to create an event that is different. Um, and I think it works here. Um, and, it, and it showed it worked here. But the result was the same, a 30-second win almost for 
for um, Verstappen. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn a little bit. Um, I just would like to see some distinction. Yeah, and of course, we're a lot of this is pandemic driven. You yes, know, as as we've seen last year and this year too. As long yeah, as it's this, in Austin, I'm in favor of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked is, about a few things. It's about budget. I mean, we've seen yeah. the the lower formula, like F3 is racing what three times this weekend mm-hmm. on the track. Um, you know, for for teams that are more modestly budgeted, yeah, you you kind of have to do that sort of thing. But this is again the sharp end of things. This is the Formula One World Championship, and you want to go to as many countries around the world as you can. Um, you know, the pandemic has messed things up. The economy has messed things up. And so you, you need to take steps. But by the same token, when we get back to some state of normality, I think we're better off with one race in each country uh, and hit as many countries as you can to spread the gospel of Formula One. Yeah, I yeah, and 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 as Bob points out, you know the F three same as in this country, um, they reverse grids and they do fastest laps from the first race to decide a grid and so on and so forth. So that's the distinction I'm talking about, which is changing things up so that it doesn't become a pedestrian three races or in you know an F three case. Yeah. Well, we were talking once before, Jonathan. I think you were traveling on that about how would you make the second okay. coda race different. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hearken back to the Aussie V8 where we ran a shorter course. Yeah. And I like the idea of doing it after dark. Maybe have a Saturday night race instead of a Sunday night. Hmm. <laughs> and throw in the sprinklers. Yeah, and sprinklers hey. and water cannons from the spectators. Yeah. Fair enough. There you go. Uh, all right. We've got a couple more minutes. Let's grab another caller. We got, oh, we got Andy P on the line. From he gets Michigan. nothing. Wait, no, we're not taking him today. <laughs> he gets nothing. <laughs> Andy P, welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, good morning, guys. Happy Fourth of July. Hey, you too, thank you, you Happy too. McLaren Day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I mean, uh, so I'm getting ready. I'm doing my pre-race kind of rituals, and all of a sudden I hear my name, and I, like, did a, a, a turnaround. And <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the pre-show this morning. Thanks for the shout-out. <laughs> uh, we thought of you immediately when Lando had that lap yesterday. Yeah, so Andy P is hardcore McLaren. So, yeah, tell us. Oh, I mean, the fact that he overcame the time penalty was just amazing. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I would say if he had maybe, you know, if, if they could have maybe like done a two-stop, he might have gotten Botas, but, you know, maybe P2, but I'll take the P3. Um, just great effort all weekend. I know. I, I I mean, you know what? I'm not like you, a big giant McLaren fan, but I am a big Lando fan. And, and just yeah. as much because he's a likable guy, but also for the sport itself, because he's good for the sport, man. He's so exciting. Well, and look, and we're talking about Daniel. We're not even talking about Daniel Ricardo, who's been in that same role really for the last several years. He's one of the most likable guys in the, in the paddock. So yeah, Andy, you got, you got the two best, you know, most likable drivers for sure. Yeah, it's a fun lineup. And it was nice to see uh, Danny do a, a really good recovery drive today. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, if he can nail the qualifying pace, that's the plan. You've seen it. And, you know, they actually do pull seven points on a really hard-charging Ferrari team who are back up there, too. Yeah, and Andy, I know you're a true true orange man, but uh, there really is a difference now in the McLaren um the, with Zach at the helm, uh, you know, with an, there just feels like a really good air, and it's not just the personality of the drivers, but they are warming to it. We 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 noticed it a couple of years ago when when we asked to do an interview uh, with McLaren, we got both drivers. We didn't even ask, and we got both drivers, and they sat there and talked 
with each other as well as to us. And it was just, you know, it's very unusual in Formula One terms uh, and it's a real breath of fresh air for McLaren. Yeah, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good atmosphere in the team. And I would put that on Zach and, you know, as it's 4th of July, an American influence on it. because, yeah. um, and, and, and that's super important. And, and, and it's great to see. Thank you, Andy. You, that is exactly what I want to hear. Uh, you know, American influence, how it's affecting the sport. But thank you for calling in. Thank you for uh, being a fan. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, Silverstone. Uh, yep. Have a good one, guys. All right, well, let's go ahead and get that first break in. And we're going to talk more about American influence in the sport, too, during the show. But you're listening to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas, back after these messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. You can take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin, online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. 
Speed City. All right, welcome back. Uh, Bob, you said during the break there's a couple things we really need to talk about. Why don't we talk about Mercedes first? I, I think um, this was a significant race, uh, given the way Mercedes handled their strategy. Um, number one, allowing Botas to pass Hamilton in, a, in an organized way, team orders for Botas to pass his team leader. Hamilton is still the leader in the championship within the team, and yet they put Botas in front of him. And then they pitted Hamilton late in the race and put on a set of hard compound tires. And I wasn't sure what the point of that was. He didn't have any more of the softest, but they also, he did have a fresh set of the medium compound, and, and yet they put him on the white hard compound. So uh, I'm not sure what that was. But the, the big thing was them switching Hamilton and Botas on track. And as Julian Palmer said, in their post-race analysis, it really seemed like a, a waving of the white flag mm. by Mercedes saying, you know, we're, we're, we're in a holding pattern now. We're trying to consolidate a position other than the one we've held as we've dominated this series for the last seven years. Uh, I think they've got Mercedes on the back foot in a really important way. As I said in the pre-race show, Mercedes has said they're not going to continue to update this car, in which case they're going to be fighting with their hands, with one hand behind their backs for the rest of the season. I think that's kind of significant. And the other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, Max Verstappen, who's Jonathan pointed out, we didn't see a whole lot of, and that's <laughs> what happens when you get way out in front and just dust everybody. Um, this is the first time in his, uh, in his career that he has hit for the slam by winning from pole, leading every lap and taking the point for fast lap. Mm. Yeah. He could have had one hand tied behind his back today. Oh, what were you going to say, Jonathan? Yeah, just uh, just following on what Bob said, that the only thing that concerns me about that decision by Mercedes was it was it was a change around within a minute or so because they came on the radio yeah. and said to Botas, "Do not overtake Hamilton despite the damage that he got to the floor," and then they reversed the decision and said, "You can race Lewis." I just, I just it was as almost as though they were like, "Well, what should we do here then?" You know, I, I just it was very un. Teutonic. Yeah. They went a step farther and said, Lewis, let both. <laughs> yeah. Out. Yeah. Dave O'Neill, I asked you a question during the break, and that was the whole hilarious answer to the question. But the question is, why does the Mercedes car seem to struggle behind cars? What's the answer? Well, I, I think, you know, the um, it could quite well be that the, um, they spent so much time in front, they've never had to develop the car um, with any turbulence. Um, <laughs> Spinning over the, uh, you know, affecting their aero side of things, the braking, um, all those, all those dimensions which you'd normally look at. <laughs> it's like what was that movie where they rip off the rearview mirror? What's behind us? Was that Cannonball yeah, Run? Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. What behind us doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so you're right. They've they spent seven years with never having to worry about that, and all of a sudden they're having to deal with that. I thought maybe that it was because Mercedes has not embraced the the uh, the high rake that some of the other teams, actually a lot of the other teams now have, like Red Bull specifically. Well, let's keep in mind, too, that one of the problems that has persisted for Mercedes is trouble getting their tires up into their operating window. They just mm -hmm. didn't have sufficient downforce, particularly at the front end, I believe. Uh, and so that may be something that factors into why they have trouble in the turbulent weight turbulence behind the car ahead, is that they're just not aerodynamically set up for it. Uh, they're basically a car that was designed to lead. Yeah. Yeah, very true. 
Uh, Bob, you brought up something during the break also, something really exciting, whether or not you're a big fan or the opposite. But we, So in two weeks, we got a week off from Formula One, two weeks, we have Silverstone coming up, and we're going to see the sprint races. Right, yeah, talk- we're going to have a qualifying race. Yeah, 100 kilometers, no pit stops. Um, they'll qualify on Friday. Two practices, Friday morning practice, Friday afternoon, qualifying for the sprint race. Saturday morning practice, Saturday qualifying race, and the positions in that race will decide the grid for Sunday's race. Uh, we'll also have a new rear tire on the car. It sounds like what Pirelli brought to test at Austria met with the approval of the teams. So to avoid the blowout situations like we had at Baku, they'll have a, a tougher rear tire on the cars. Where Because Silverstone's also a track that has produced tire problems in the mm-hmm, past. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, there's... Um, there's a lot of questions to be answered in two weeks' time at the yeah. British Grand Prix. Now, wait a minute. So it's not supposed to be any pit stops. Besides the, the handicap you get from taking a pit stop, is there a penalty for taking a pit stop? If you take a penalty, if you take a pit stop, I think you're it's out. self-imposed there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. But yeah, it's, it's long so- enough, it should be a no pit stop sprint. And don't even get me started on the tire rules under these sprint qualifying. It's going to be crazy. One fewer <laughs> sets tires, they get designated sets. Um, you know, you hand back some at certain points. There'll be no requirement that you you use, uh, you know, one of each. So, uh, it just goes on and on and on. Mm. But uh, we'll sort it all out in, in two weeks' time. And the, the key thing in the championship, to me at least, is that by my rough math, which is never to be trusted, <laughs> um, Verstappen now leads Hamilton by 26 points in the championship. So even if he scores no points in Britain, he will still be the championship leader. He may have at worst a tie if Lewis wins the race and takes the fast lap point. So I think it's significant that there's more than a race victory worth of points between Verstappen and Hamilton. Good point. Bob, Bob has yeah. a stack of back of napkins for his math. You're listening to the Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 
Welcome to Name Your License Plate. I'm Biff Biffington. All right, Mary Lou, for the cash, the trip, and a new car, name your license plate. Easy. My plate is ADD24. ACL, ATM, ABC, ACDC, AAA. I can't remember my plate. You should have gotten a personal Texas plate from MyPlates.com. They're so memorable. And I could have saved 40% with a five-year commitment. Be a winner and order your personalized license plate from MyPlates.com. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Max Stefan, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. So we just got through back-to-back-to-back to back to back in Formula One, triple header, and Max Verstappen, one-to-one-to-one. So uh, he's got to be happy. Probably a little champagne flowing with a week off. But when we went to break, we said we were going to talk to our resident expert, former Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill, about the, well, maybe about Red Bull, but about how Formula One is going to slow down pit stops. And I'm like, wait a minute. We're at the pinnacle of motorsports. This is what we love about our sport, this kind of crazy stuff where they can have sub-two-second pit stops. Dave, what what is going on here? Why are they going to do this, and what do you think they will do to do this? Well, uh, yeah, same as you. The, my question is why. Yeah. <laughs> um, they spent you know millions, I guess, um, getting getting the um, the tire changed, the wheel changed to um, sub sub two seconds, and I think it's a fantastic bit of engineering. To be honest, um, it also helps the. Um, the team pay a huge part in it. Um, it makes the team the team. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of camaraderie in it. Um, yeah. you, you don't just turn up and, and change the wheels. So I guess, you know, when they were doing fueling, there was no need to have quick tyre changes because you had to do the wheels in, you know, in four or five seconds once the fuel was done, which was the last thing the car would leave. But I guess just to put a bit of meat on the bone, um, how how the whole system's developed over the, I guess, the last... Hmm, probably 10 years, um, it's become virtually fully automated um, apart from the three humans on, mm-hmm. on each corner and, and the jack guys. So if you can imagine a quick rundown would be the car comes in, um, there's a board on the, on the pit perch side, the driver turns in, stops on the marks. It used to be down to the nearest foot, um, but it kept getting reduced and reduced. So the driver had to be down to the nearest, you know, inch, if you like, inch was interest too long um in this case uh driver would start the car would go up in the air um the wheel wheel men would follow the car in actually before the car stopped and um the wheel nuts would be off before the car had stopped the car would be in the air hit the front jack up in the air um wheel off the hardest job in fact in the pit stop is putting the wheel on you know because you have to make sure you're straight um, the gunman has to get out of the way and, you know, any tap, it's just like a cricket ball or, um, I don't know, like a goalkeeper, you know, mm. tapping the ball out of the net. If you have that slightest touch, 
um, that knocks everything out of um, out of sync. And then, of course, you have the real slow three second stop. Then, and um, typically, when you have the slow stops, that's normally what's happened. Um, the guy puts the gun gun back on the nuts. Uh, the nuts are in the wheels, so they're cap- captured in the wheels. Um, there's a huge amount of development done on the wheels and the nuts. Um, and also the guns, you know, the guns are a work of art. Yeah. Um, you know, spend huge amounts of money on those. So the guns buzzed up. Um, it achieves its torque, which is, you know, around about six, seven foot, hundred uh, foot pounds of torque. Um, the PSI and the guns is between four and 500 PSI, you know, 30 bar, 35 mm. bar type thing. Um, it's almost a mini explosion. Once one side's done, the other side's done, you know, they don't typically finish within the, a tenth of a, a second of each other. Um, what happens then is the gun sends a signal to the jack, and whether it's the front or rear jack, whoever finishes first, um, the, the last one to finish, it will then dump the jack. So there's like a Moog valve on there. Um, it's an air system in the jack. The jack will dump and uh, go to the floor. The, the jack man moves out the way at the front, and the rear, he just stands there. Um, and then the only kind of, you know, default would be if the um, chief mechanic sees a car coming down the pit lane <coughs> that thinks it's going to be um, in danger of um, crashing into the car that's leaving the pits he'd then stop the system so he'd push the button and the red light would come on and the driver would see that um, he sees a little traffic light as a see um, just yeah. in front of his face um, and he'd wait for the light to go green so no talking obviously talking slow so it's all signals and sounds um, that go on within the in the stop. So, you know, again, fantastic bit of engineering. Um, and again, you know, what is the right time to stop it? Um, it's part of the race. It's part of the strategy. Red Bull know they're quick. Um, I know for a fact that Mercedes decided not to go the route that Red Bull were doing um, because they just didn't want to put the money and effort into um, training people up to be as quick as Red Bull. And a Mercedes strategy is to turn it around, I guess, on the FIA and get them working on trying to stop the system being so quick. Um, so, you know, the, the game is played off the track um, in, the, um, in the office as well. Um, and that's kind of what Mercedes have done is create a load of havoc to try and slow um, Red Bull down um, is kind of my view on it. I know we used to practice huge amounts but again the bigger teams practiced more because they had more time they had more spare parts so the car was finished and fixed um whereas we had to finish and fix our car and then do the pit stops so you know it's it, like bob says you know it's the um, it's pinnacle of motorsport and um why why leash it <laughs> yeah well dave i've got one question for it totally agree i love the technology i love everything that's going into that I feel like they're also trying to slow it down a little bit from a safety aspect. That's what I was going to And so I understand that. But uh, what about the approach of reducing the number of guns to only two guns? So you can only do one side or only the front and back. Uh, like NASCAR. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a tax. I wasn't going to say, I wasn't <laughs> going to say like NASCAR. I personally was going to avoid that. But Dave, it still involves the technology and all of that. What do you think? Well, f- answer your first question. When was the last time someone was hurt in a pit stop? Um, with the equipment, it's mainly been okay. a driver running someone over. So um, yeah. the drivers need to sort that out. Um, and then, you know, again, having people running around the car is more like a Mickey Mouse show. So you know, <laughs> this is fully, fully top of top of the range, top end, um, fast as you like. Um, 
you know, it, it's a science project. So, um, and again, that's what Formula One is. So I, I get what you're saying, but also, you know, when you're in it and you see what goes on behind the scenes to achieve what they're doing every weekend, um, it all looks a bit clinical, but it's not, you know, it takes a, a huge amount of effort to get it to that stage. You're and right. with that argument that you need to slow the pit stops down for the purpose of safety, by reintroducing the human element, it sounds counterintuitive to me. I mean, if what Dave just described of the technology, the guns telling the jacks when the wheels are on and mm. then the jack drops the car with the human backup, as he mentioned, to hold in case there's traffic in the pit lane. How do you make it safer by stepping away from proven technology and reintroducing mm. that element of potential human error? Good point. All righty. I back up on my statement. Those are all excellent comments there. No. I never thought I'd hear a, a Texan say he wanted less guns. <laughs> <laughs> too, too early? <laughs> no, that's, no, we just don't want people like you with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Dave, I, I appreciate that because that is that definitely – I love the breakdown. I understand it even better. Yeah, it's really good. But um, but there was something else, Bob. You said something I wanted to get Dave's opinion on a while ago about. Oh, I'm drawing a blank now. But I, anyway, I um, well, let's talk about some of these penalties that happened today because I'm, I'm you're going to have to narrow that down. Well, yeah, no kidding. I don't know. I don't know what the record is for which most line was the Sonoda dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sonoda apparently the exact same error twice. Come on, all right. But um, the stewards' decision reads. On the first Norris penalty, it says, at the entry of turn four, Perez and Norris were side by side. Then on exit, Norris was judged to not give Perez enough room, and Perez was forced off the track. He didn't move. I know. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Wait a minute. So come on now. And it looks like the two Perez penalties carry the exact same wording as the Norris one. And also had two penalty points for each. Gives him eight and 12 months with one disappearing in Hungary and the other after Monza. So, but, but what, I mean, th this is, this was just way too, too distracting for me. And I just, I know we touched on it, but the, the racing, I just, I, I want more racing. So. It's an element of the sport that I think, especially, you know, the, the new Netflix fan uh, don't understand it. it, it yes. You know, if you're a sports fan, you know, like, you know, I followed American football and there, there was a long time before certain rules came became evident because there are a lot of complex rules. But once you get it, you get it. And I think it's hard for a new fan coming in to understand those penalties when they seem like, oh, he just went off into the gravel there. That was unlucky. That's how you would see it and perceive it. Um, and, you know, it's a bit like a foot in touch or, you know, uh, did, did the ball cross the line, you know, in, in football? You know, it, these are tiny tiny nuances that, that you only learn as you get to know the game or you get to know the racing. Uh, and I just wonder that, uh, you know, penalties like that can be sometimes overbearing. And I think uh, Derek Warwick was uh, the, the, the driver stewards today, uh, and he, he seemed pretty harsh to me. Hey, that's what it was. Dave O'Neill, about <coughs> the, the driver stewards, um, what do you think, you know, like Jonathan just said about how he is he can be a certain way, I mean, how much do their personalities or their particular preferences play into that? Well, I mean, obviously, um, they get their directive from the FIA and um, safety on roads. And I think you know, that the idea is to, to have um, 
clean racing, um, lots of overtaking and a great spectacle. Um, and in order to do that, you need some, some former judge um, to, um, to facilitate that. So I guess, you know, Derek, he's hard. Um, he's typically fair. But I think, you know, the, the decisions you saw today were because of the directive from the um, FIA, you know, is mm. what they want is to, to clean that part of the sport up. And, um, you know, he, he just, he did that and he did it well. You know, he, he gave uh, two penalties for, for what we saw with, you know, that looked pretty similar. Um, but again, you know, where, where does it go and how far do you keep cleaning it up? You know, when Charlie was in, involved, yeah. um, he, um, you know, he'd say, come on, guys, enough's enough. You know, we're here to race type thing. And um, it, that, that normally sort of put a, a line in the sand. And then we moved on for another another 12 months. And then, you know, people wanted to clean it up again or, you know, get into another part of the rule. So, And Dave, oh, you oh, know oh, that oh, Derek oh. used to race against the likes of Senna and, and Mansell. And, and those guys didn't give an inch or take, uh, <laughs> and used to take quite a few inches. <laughs> Yes, and uh, you know we we've had those conversations with him, and he said, "Well, that was then, and this is now." You know, so, yeah. Good um, point. He's <laughs> yeah. his answer. But, yeah, I mean, you can get unfair stewards. You know, um, I won't mention any names, but there was, um, you know, there was it was actually in Austin. Um, one of the stewards I had to go and see with um, one of the drivers, and there was definitely a bit of history there, oh. um, and um, it definitely played out in the stewards room. So, um, mm. yeah, it's good to get a, a fair, fair and square steward. Um, and um, it, it shouldn't be influenced after the, after the fact either, should it? You know, you should, should yeah. get most of it done on the circuit. You know, and talking about the argument, you talked to, to less about more guns, but you said it's a science but we all watch those pit stops with awe. Oh, right? it's yeah. poetry. Just it's poetry in motion. I mean, talking about the Netflix series, isn't that the intro to each one yeah. of those? And watching those pit stops, it's amazing to watch. And, and as Dave said, it, it brings the element, the human element of the whole team in. Those yes. guys talk about that in the pub, you know, all around England because that's where most of them are based. And it's a pride thing. Those guys, you know, like you said, they train hard. To do that because that's their that's their game. They don't want to let Lewis down, or they don't want to let Verstappen down. Imagine yeah. if they'd got a wrong pit stop for Verstappen twenty eight seconds ahead when he came in for those hard tires at the end. Yeah, yeah, and think about it. Could it can be a bit of a leveler, right? Well, uh, up until this season when the Mercedes is dominating, that was always right. a way for Red Bull to gain some time back. Sure, and 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 Dave couldn't. I mean, I know Formula One is so much about the money, but. But couldn't even the Haas F1 team, you know, say, all right, guys, we're going to stay up till 11 o'clock every night this week, practicing this and get better and better. And couldn't they even try to become the fastest pit stop team? Yeah, they, um, they can do as well. It's just, you know, there's a budget that you have to put towards the, the equipment. And, um, you know, you, you have to put everything into perspective and make sure that it, it's going. But the... Um, you know the Red Bull guys; they train really, really hard. Um, yeah. but, you know, Jonathan Wheatley; he um, he took that on, and um, they have a car there with um, you know with a battery or a motorbike engine in, and they go in and out of the workshop every day, twice a day. You know, and it's it's broken down; the whole thing's filmed. And you know, whereas when mm. when I was doing it, you'd have a couple of guys from the factory pushing the car in. Um, when we had time at four o'clock in the afternoon type thing. Williams well, employed Michael Johnson, the 400 metres runner, to, to work with the Williams guys 
at one point yeah. on diet and everything else. Mm, yeah. Well, well, Williams, if you if you rewind back as well, there's a couple of other points to the pit stop. But Williams were the Williams started the chase on the pit stops, yeah. and then oh, they yeah. all, you know got, got into it. But I think the other thing is, which is quite interesting, if you did make it all for argument, take three seconds, and we rewind back to all the results that have been hindered by um, pit stop mistakes, wheels falling off, you probably delete <laughs> quite a few fantastic races, you know, and. Yeah. Um, I think those are the things we have to look at as well. All right, well, let's go to a break, and uh, we'll continue our discussions after the break. You'll listen to Speed City, live from Austin, back after these messages. USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Hi, I am an official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I'm here to say it's time to get personal, people. Tell the world who you are with a personalized plate from MyPlates.com, like me. I'm talking favorite color, favorite team, favorite charity, and, of course, favorite state, Texas. Add your own message, and then the magic really happens. I'm the official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I want to be your license plate. Go to MyPlates.com and order me today. Now that's what I'm talking about. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Hey, we got a caller on the line. Uh, we have Rick, and he's on his way to somewhere. I can't. He's on his way to the East Coast. Rick, Rick, welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, Dave. Dave and I are pretty good friends, and uh, I'm driving uh, from Michigan to Rhode Island at the moment. So oh. halfway, halfway through, going through the mountains of Pennsylvania. So nice. this is the first time I've been able to listen to the entire show, which was great. And it's the first time I've been able to listen to an F1 race on the on the radio, which was which was quite interesting versus you know seeing it on tv and uh i'm just so excited about this season this is the kind of racing i've been waiting to see you know even with the uh sometimes the goofy penalties and things but um man what a great season it's been it's been so nice to see kind of the changing of the guards uh with uh with verstappen who i think we all thought would you know truly become you know a championship driver and he obviously is doing that and uh, it's just great to see the, the field being evened out a little bit. It's great to see McLaren doing so well. And it's really making for what we've all wanted in F1, I think, for the past several years. We just got so lopsided that it was almost becoming not, you know, too exciting to watch. But 
what a what a great race today, and it's been great great to listen to you guys. And I got to send kudos to Dave. I've 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 asked Dave a million times all sorts of different questions about F1, but that explanation on the uh, on the pit stops and yeah. tire changing was one, one of the one of the best uh, uh, pictures that's ever been painted of that. Uh, that yeah, I've yeah. ever heard, and uh, so it was great to hear. I awesome. agree. I agree. That's why I backed up on my statement. That made total <laughs> sense. It wasn't, you know, trash. It was all good. <laughs> hey, so, yep. so Rick had, uh, we, we, yep. I'm with you on this season, and it's been fantastic to not have Mercedes dominate, but how about, I think we would have all exploded had Lando landed on the pole and been able to, to win the race. I mean, that's what we need now. We need... We need three teams battling for it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, and I thought Lando could. I thought Lando could have won today. Uh, obviously, from listening to it on the radio, I mean, he was uh, the, to make that make up that time today that he did was was almost like Ayrton Senna esque, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it, it was great to listen to, and I, I wish I would have been able to see the visual because I'm sure it was was absolutely amazing. But this is the kind of racing we want, and then you know, and I, and I understand about the rules and. You know, and you know, and the stewards and, and things like that, kind of interfering with a race and interfering with a result. But I, I do understand the safety aspect. I did have a quick question for Dave. Um, I, I just could he paint a picture of what it's like in that room with a driver <laughs> talking to the stewards? But it'd be great to hear kind of what that looks like and sounds like. Yeah, he's smiling. Dave is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of you know, it's kind of when you've done something wrong at home and you know you're going to speak to your mum or dad, you've got to get your facts right. So, um, what we the first thing we do is when we're on the wall would be okay. Um, you get the IT department involved and you say okay, like all the angles of um, what went on, um, and of course you know all the information that the steward that you have, the stewards have. So um, you have yeah. to be careful what information you bring up there, so you can start picking on the right view, if you like. Um, and then you, you go up there, you get summoned. Um, you go up there, there's only one person allowed in the room apart from you and the, you know, only you and the driver allowed in the room. Um, there's not just one steward in there, there's four stewards. Um, and then normally they, you know, it depends how, I guess, how, how uh, vindictive they want to be. They say, do you know why you're here? And, um, you know, yep. And then, no, you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's a slam dunk and there's no point arguing about it, you know, I, I normally used to say to the driver, look, you know, it's time to, time to eat humble pie here and, um, and take this as an honest one. You know, if you're known for, for all the, um, you know, excuses and make up. And then if there is um, two drivers not, and there's not normally something to be sorted out, you, they go in the room together. That's not always the case, but... They normally see the, the cases first individually. Um, then you have to stand outside the room and wait for the decision to be made, and then they call you in and tell you why you've um, why you've done it, why they've come up with this decision, um, and it's you know it's end of story at that point. So you have to shake hands, pretend everything's happy days, and then walk out and swear later. Get on with life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So what happened in the situation of uh, Sebastian messing up Alonso's run? Would he have been called in, or do they just throw it out? There's three grids, three spots. Most of the time, they'll, um, you know, before the race, you'll get called up because there's time to talk about it and, you know, explain why their decision is going in that direction. 
if it's something that they just don't want to talk about, it's it's just done. You know, they send out the um, the report and end the story. You know, there's no argument type thing. Well, especially that one. That was pretty cut and dry. Hey, one more question on this. What about reputation? When Pastor Maldonado used to come in, well, how, how <laughs> yeah, he just reported after every race. <laughs> yeah, he brought thirty million. That's all you need oh, to know. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. Did did reputation play into it? You think? Yes, for sure. I mean, the <laughs> other thing is, you know, with um, earlier, you know, half a decade ago, there was a huge amount of blue flags, which we don't see too much of now, which, you know, the, a lot of the drivers in the mid pack used to get into trouble, you know, they're holding up the, the mm-hmm. race leaders or influencing the race, which, you know, wasn't particularly fair because of the the, the way the, the rules were written. But, um, you know, those drivers, you know, I was always up in the stewards room with the Virgin Marush a lot because mm. um, we're always getting that lap two or three times, which isn't what everyone wanted to see. And of course, when those sort of things happen, the the, um, the speed difference between the cars is huge, um, and mistakes happen. You don't realise how quick they're coming up to you, um, and that's why you know you'd end up in the stewards. But now it's it's like Rick says, you know, the the rules are changed, and um, we're, we're typically seeing um, you know not too many people getting lapped, which is nice. You know, everyone's on the same lap. Hey, Bob Varsha, you brought up something. Are, are, are we contractually bound or is it just a gentleman's agreement that we have to talk about Ferrari every race? So uh, they, they did have a good race again today, didn't they? I used to do a little writing for a magazine and I learned very early on, uh, very early on that you have to talk about Ferrari <laughs> in every article. You know, they're following so huge, so passionate and so on. And, you know, I, I kind of agree with it. Yeah. You know, whatever's good for Ferrari is good for Formula One. And, and I think they had a great day today. I mean, Carlos Sainz went forever on his first set of tires uh, and then came home uh, sixth, starting from 12th. Uh, Charles Leclerc certainly had an, an interesting, adventurous day. Uh, he finished eighth, so they had both cars in the points. And Leclerc remains the only driver in the top 10 in points who has yet to score a podium this year. So uh, there's an interesting team situation going on at Ferrari, as well as the fact that they're 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 trying to get their act together. These Aust- the, uh, Austin, these mm. Austrian races were supposed to be uh, essentially a test, said Carlos Science, as they tried to figure out their issues. It looks like maybe they've gotten some answers, and we'll see what they bring to Britain in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that they've had not great qualifying pace, but really good race pace at least the last couple of races. Uh, Dave, any ideas about that? Why they would do that? Why they would be fast in qualifying, not as I mean, not as fast in qualifying as they're in the race. Um, I mean, it's difficult, but the um, sure most likely the uh, the answer would be that they can you know run a quicker pace for a longer longer period of time than anyone else on the same you know same compound attire um, mm-hmm. would probably be the the correct answer. Yeah. Hey, I want to shift the topic to Honda. Jonathan, I know you have something you want to talk about, but Bob, <clears throat> but when, but Bob oh. had something to lead into that. Actually, Bob, you talked about how in our production call yesterday about Honda and staying on, essentially, sort of one more well, year. That's where I was going. Oh, that's your, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, say, no, no, but it's good. good yeah, good. go ahead, Bob. Yeah, well, Honda made it clear this week that they are going to continue to build engines for Red Bull during what they're calling a transition year, uh, as Red Bull seeks to take over the intellectual property rights for the Honda engines and do their own uh, in the future with a new company they're setting up called Red Bull 
power units or some darn thing. Yeah. Uh, I was going to help them to that point by continuing to build their engines in Japan um, for another year. Yeah, Jonathan, were you just? Were yeah, you gonna... I, I was looking at the constructors' championship, and I was gonna, uh, I was gonna throw that to Bob, was to say, look, you know, Red Bull and Honda are, are on two eighty six, Mercedes a second, the only other team, uh, obviously third, McLaren, Mercedes, then Ferrari, but then in fifth place, and this is where the story is really telling, Alpha Tori Honda, and you know, Gasly and Sonoda, for whatever reason, uh, I don't know whether the design's good, but I, you've got to put a lot of it down to the Honda engine. Um, they're fifth ahead of Aston Martin, ahead of Alpine. And, you know, if you're Honda at the moment, and you took, we talked about Porsche, you know, their reputation couldn't be higher right now. And they went through so many doldrum years where the Honda was, you know, kind of taken through the mire. And, and now look at them. And, I, and what I guess what I was going to pose to Bob was, okay, you've got this extension, you've got the Red Bull, you know, you've got the Red Bull saying they're going to make, make their own engines. But are Honda going to take a a, a a different viewpoint of this in the new era from 2022 onwards, given that now they truly do have a world-dominating engine? Yeah, well, uh, the Honda representatives on site were asked that question, given that they've now won five straight races. Mm. That's the most they've won consecutively since, uh, you know, their great year of 1988, when yeah. Alan Prost and Iron Stenner won the first 11 races of the season, mm-hmm. dropped one, and won the other three or four. It was an incredible year. Um, but they said, no, this does not change Honda's plans to to remove themselves from Formula One. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's sad, but uh, that appears to be the case. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the W Series. We've got the W Series at several F1 races this year, including here in Austin. And did you guys see who who was on pole and won the race? Jamie. Jamie Chadwick. Yeah. Awesome. I I just... The IBM star. Yeah, the star of the IBM commercials. Yeah. I'm just a big fan of hers. Oh, yeah. She's good. I mean, because actually I was with my daughter quite a bit on Saturday. We were doing car stuff with my daughter. And um, she asked me that question. She goes something like, you know, any any uh, female drivers and i said well actually jamie chadwick who probably has as good a chance ever as someone a female to move into formula one i mean i know that's a it's a big stretch from where we are today but what do you think well and uh, well the question is does she want to move away from a series that could potentially could earn her a million dollars um given that the- oh wow <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. You, you know, uh, I mean, it was seen as it was seen as a a chance to go F three for all women, right? And then the chance to win a million dollars, which would therefore give you a chance to have a budget to maybe go Indy, to maybe go GP two or or whatever, um, and potentially Formula One. But um, yeah, Jamie, you're right, girl, most likely at the mo- at the moment. But there are others, and I think you know, for all the kind of. Uh, talk of the W Series, uh, I think um, Dave Ryan and David Coulthard, who are basically instrumental in making it happen, um, have done a, a really good job, actually, of making this a success and making it good for what it is, which is a chance for females to compete and actually get some real notoriety and some good racing in. That's I've, I've enjoyed it. And, and like I said, it's multi uh, national in terms of, of the entries as well. Uh, there's Australians, there's Brits, there's Americans. It's good. Yeah. I think we should also um, put a shout out there for the, one of the ladies that was on the podium there who wasn't driving, which is um, a lady called Annie Bradshaw, who's been yes. in, in 
Oh, yeah. I guess um, probably getting my years wrong, but at least 40, you know, four decades, yeah. maybe five yeah. decades, um, who's been the backbone behind a huge amount of these drivers, you know, Senna being one of them, yeah. um, Stroll being one of the latest one, but also being able to go into that paddock with the, um, the W Series and give these ladies, young girls, um, a huge amount of encouragement and also... Um, pure knowledge that she has for mm-hmm. them to be able to um to move forward so you know one of one of my favorite ladies in the paddock and also has done it before any of the other ladies that are here now have done it you know in, yeah. she must have been bob maybe one of the only ladies in the paddock um mm-hmm. for years before it all started um yeah, back in the 80s that. yeah that would have been the yeah. case yeah, yeah. I, i've become friends with annie and she is absolutely spectacular knows everybody is extremely professional and just a lot of fun to be around yeah all right gentlemen let's talk about this week we have next excuse me in two weeks we have the british grand prix at silverstone bob what do you think let's we should let's just preview it a little bit i mean obviously it's it's one of the most iconic races on the calendar but we do have the sprint race is coming up, and what else to look forward to? Well, there'll certainly be another totally over-the-top crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more Verstappen fans, but you'll also see the, the traditional British fan support for British drivers in the series. So that'll be fun to see. I mean, Silverstone is always a, a spectacle. It, it, it's like an order of magnitude bigger than every other race that precedes it simply because of the scale of the place. You know, this yeah. former RAF bomber base that's been turned into a state-of-the-art racetrack, test track, um, you know, manufacturing facility. It's just a spectacular place in the English Midlands. Um, we'll have those new rear tires on the car, which the teams say doesn't, doesn't seem to differ from what they had before, but you never quite know. Um, you have a great championship with... England's favorite Lewis, now the underdog. So I imagine there's going to be a <laughs> yeah, for yeah, that's um, British style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah Andy I think Murray style. Be a good boost. What yeah. do you got to add to that, Mister? Our, our no, in-house Brit couldn't couldn't agree more. Bob's absolutely spot on, and uh, Dave will back me up here, having been part of the Jordan Factor, which is across the road. Um, you know, it's the camping that really gets you. Is they're, they're arriving now? They're arriving on <laughs> Tuesday. Seriously, it's their <laughs> summer holiday. I don't mean to be funny, but this, you know, instead of going to Spain for the year, they come. To the British Grand Prix, they camp out, they bring the whole family, and it's tradition. Sounds it's, like a great vacation to me. It, it, Thanks, everybody. Go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, and we'll talk to you next Sunday night on our local radio show. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.